Well, good morning, church. I am not Pastor Lyle. I am Maggie. Uh, I am the executive pastor here. Pastor Lyle sends his love from Toronto. He hates missing Sunday mornings, honestly. Like Allison knows, this is his favorite place to be with you guys every week. And so, but he sends his love and uh, I'm stepping in for him. You know, this morning, obviously, you, you've probably caught on a little bit that there's a theme this morning in worship of kind of talking about the Father and singing the, you know, lean back into the, the loving arms of a beautiful Father. And then we went into the next song of that we're going to run to the Father, uh, that we're going to fall into grace, that we're done with hiding. And, you know, about a month and a half ago, we had a team night with all of our leaders here in the house. And this phrase came out and it was, God, we wanna go after revival in the church and reformation in the city. Revival in the church and reformation in the city that we as believers wanna be revived. And from that place of revival that we wanna go and bring reformation into our city. And so this whole uh, past four weeks, this is the, the fourth week that we've gone in a series on those topics. And you know, I just, I really feel like God is wanting to shift something in our hearts as a body of believers. You know, anytime that God starts doing stuff within a leadership, I pay attention because I start going, God, if you're doing it in us as leaders, you're wanting to do it in our house. And uh, this past month, Pastors Lyle and Allison, they did a week long intensive called Restoring the Foundations. Pastor Rick, our worship pastor, he went to a three-day conference on encountering God and inner healing. Uh, I myself did a sozo session with, uh, with Bethel and Redding. And it's just been this theme that God just kind of keeps bringing back up of, you know, we have to have a solid foundation. We have to build on a solid foundation. And Rick said something uh, after that team night as we were kind of talking about this revival in the church, reformation in the city, and I hadn't been able to shake it. And so when Pastor Lyle approached me to, to preach, I was going in a completely different direction and I felt like God said, no, 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 bring it back to this because there's some people in our house that need to restore their foundation that need to, to seal up some cracks that have gotten in there. And what Rick said is, he said, we can't sustain revival or build reformation on orphans. We need a reformation of sonship. He said, we can't build or sustain revival and reformation on orphans, on people who mentally assent to the love of God, saying, yeah, God's a, He's a loving heavenly Father, but their internal world contradicts that that they say it with their minds, yeah, I'm a believer, I come into church and I can sing these songs. I sing about how I'm gonna lean back in the loving arms. And it's a really good melody so I can sing it, but my heart is totally disconnected from it because I don't know what it is to lean back. I don't know what it is to lean into a loving father because to me, father's angry. To me, the father is distant. To me, he's judging every move that I make. And if I perform good one day, he loves me. And if I miss the mark the next day, he, his face is turned away from me. That's how a lot of believers, that's how a lot of people in church sit. And they, they, they kind of tilt often on this kind of like teeter-totter of one minute they're going, oh, God is loving, I love him, I, I can experience that. And then they falter or they do something or you know, they have a worship set and they're like, oh, I didn't feel him today. He must have turned his back on me. 
And I really feel like kind of what Billy Graham was saying that this morning there's gonna be a changing of hitching posts. I feel like there's some of you in here that you've sat in church or you've never sat in church, but some of you that have sat in church for a long time and you're in the house and you're an orphan. There's some of you who are our sons and daughters in this house. And you say, God, I, I experience God in that way. But there's some things that have got out of alignment and He wants to kind of adjust some of us this morning. Is that okay? So it's, gonna, it's honestly gonna be a little different message than we normally do on a Sunday morning. I'm kind of gonna go to work a little bit and, and have you guys go to work a little bit. And then at the end, we're gonna give the Holy Spirit a chance to bring adjustment. There's a song that's out right now that I'm obsessed with, but it talks about, uh, are you waiting on heaven or is it waiting on you? Because the Holy Ghost is already in the room. And so he's here, he wants to shift you. We can't fix ourselves, that is why we need a savior. You didn't come here to be a better Christian and be a more moral person. You came so that the love of God could transform you because we can't do it ourselves. So at the end, we're, we're gonna take some time and we're gonna allow God to shift some stuff. But in the meantime, I wanna set it up for you because there's some of you who go, I don't really know where I stand. I got saved, I believe, I, yeah, I'm a son, I'm a daughter, but you're living and when I, I'm gonna go through a whole list where we're gonna look at what it means to be an orphan and what it means to be a son. And there's gonna be some of you that are gonna go, dang it, I thought I was a son and I am living out of an orphan spirit. And you know, it's only as we can align with our identity as sons and daughters that we will be able to step out into the calling, into the purpose, into the reformation that He wants to bring through our lives. It's only once we've come into agreement with our identity of who God says we are. Amen? All right, so we're gonna pray and we're just gonna jump into this. So Father, we thank You. We thank You that You are in the room, that You have already started a good work. And God, I pray that if people leave with anything else, nothing else only to know that you are good, that you are for them. I pray, Father, that you are revealed in a greater way. I pray that we walk out of here knowing that we are sons, knowing that we are daughters, and that we move from that place of security, from that place of acceptance. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, all right. So we're just, we're just gonna jump into this. You know, Romans 8, 15 and 17 is kind of gonna be our baseline verse that it says, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, which means daddy, father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs of Christ. So we just said it there, it's the spirit that's going to confirm to you, you are a child of God. It's only the Holy Spirit that can confirm that. And you know, the simple gospel is this, it's that the father sent his son to restore sons to the father. That is his work. That's the work of the gospel that he sent his son to restore sons and daughters to the father. And I'm gonna say son a lot today. I just want you to know that this doesn't discount you women in the room. 
there's, there's, I don't know if any of you guys are on social media, there was a big blow up of, of somebody had kind of taken a jab at women in ministry and saying that, you know, women in ministry aren't, can't, shouldn't preach, shouldn't speak. I want you to know you're a part of a house that believes in women in ministry, that we, uh, we empower women. We say that women carry the spirit of God just like men and have the authority and power to walk in that just like men. And so, but as I say sonship and son a lot, you women, you're not being discounted. This is, I just don't want to say every time, sonship, daughtership, sonship, daughtership. Okay, so just so you guys get that right off the bat. Um, but you know, I really believe that one of the greatest needs within the body of Christ, yes, outside of our four walls, but within it is the release of a spirit of sonship, the, the release of sons and daughters coming back to the heart of the father. And, you know, we have taken identity formation out of the hands of God and we've taken it into our own hands. It's so evident in our world today that we have stolen identity formation from God. And we've all of a sudden said, okay, I get to define myself. I get to tell me who I am. And what this theft has done is pretty much created a vacuum of true identity, of security, of purpose. And so it's only as we can put this identity formation back into the hands of God and say, Father, you speak to me, you tell me who I am, that then we can move out of that place into purpose. And until that time, we're going to be building on a faulty foundation like we've talked about. And so that's what this morning is going to be about. It's just going after some of those root things and looking at how do we view the Father? Who is He in our lives? What does He do to restore us as sons and daughters? And then we're going to look at, are we an orphan in the house? Are we sitting in the four walls and our, our hitching post is wrong? We haven't, we haven't changed it over yet. Romans 8, 19 says, For creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. I really think that all of creation is waiting for you to become the fullest version of who God created you to be. That the, that the world around you, that your family, that the, the students alongside you in school, that the people in your workplace are waiting for you to be revealed as a son or a daughter of God in the fullness of who you are called to be. So it's funny, uh, Todd this morning in his transition talked a little bit, uh, or he read a passage from Luke 15, 11 through 32, which is the prodigal son, which if you've been in church for any amount of time, you've probably heard it. And he didn't even know this was my text for, the, for Sunday morning. And so that just to me just went, God, you, Father wants to be revealed. He wants you to see him. He wants you to know who he is and therefore who you are. And so we're going to look at Luke 15, 11 through 32. And a lot of times this story gets uh, talked about and we focus just on the son. But I really feel like this story is mainly wanting Jesus telling the story saying, I want to reveal to you who the father is in this and then what he wants to do for you. Um, so we're going to read through this whole story. If you haven't gotten your Bible reading in, you're going to get it in um, here. And my computer just froze. There, there it went. Okay. We're good. All right. So Luke 15, 11 through 32 says, And he said, there was a man, and this is Jesus talking. And Jesus said, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. Basically, he said, I want you dead. And, I, you know, when you get inheritance, you get inheritance when 
your when your father dies. So he's basically saying, I wish you were dead. I want my inheritance now. And he divided, the father divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his field to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. Isn't that just like the world? They don't want to give you anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned. Uh, sorry, read that. <laughs> Did I read that? Yes. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For his son was dead and is alive. Again, he was lost and is found and they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out to him and entreated him. But he answered his father, look, these many years I have served you. I have never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a goat, a young goat that I may celebrate with my friends. But when, the son, when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. And the father said to him, son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive, and he was lost and is found. So what we're going to look at this morning is, first we're going to look at the father, the good father, because how many of you know it takes a father to reveal a son? So until we have a father, until the father is revealed to us, we will not be revealed as sons and daughters. We first have to go to the father. And you know, he's better than you think he is. And so we need to change the way we think about him. He is better than you think he is. So we need to change the way we think about him because everything in our life is connected and flows out of this relationship with our Father. You know, every person I know in this room has had a different experience with a Father. Some of you, I say the word Father, and all you can think is angry, abusive, neglectful, uh, distant. You know, and some of you have had a really good Father. You had a loving Father. You had a Father who lavished love on you and spoke identity. Your identity comes through the father. So if you're a father in this house, if you are a man and you have children, know that identity for your children and your wife and your family flows through you. That's a big responsibility. But, you know, I, I know we've all had different experiences with a father in our life, but, you know, I think in this season that because our, our, our perfect heavenly father is just that, 
that sometimes we need to get over our past as an excuse for what we don't taste of and experience today. Some of you have held off encountering the Father in a real way and experiencing everything that He wants to lavish on you because you have gotten stuck with what your earthly father failed in. Some of you are going to need to forgive your earthly father. You're going to need to release him for the imperfections, for the humanity that he walked in. And you're going to have to say, hey, God, I'm not going to hold you to that image anymore. That's going to be a shift for some of you today. Some of you walked in here going, I feel like I just never, like I can kind of connect with Jesus or Holy Spirit. Father is just totally distant for me. You need to, you need to release your father because it's only the heavenly father that's going to be able to restore the things he stole from you. It's only the heavenly father that's going to be able to do that. You know, Father God's not absent. He's not passive. He's not performance oriented. He's not an authoritarian. He's not abusive. He's not inconsistent. He's good. He's perfect. Stop linking the image with your father up to him. Sorry, that felt really heavy. <laughs> it's good. We're going somewhere. Okay, so we're going to look at this father in this story that Jesus is telling, trying to say, hey, here's an image of what my father looks like, what the heavenly father looks like. And the first part, uh, the first characteristic we're going to look, look at is the waiting father. You know, the father waited expectantly for his son. If he saw him from a far way off, that was something he had to be in a posture and a position of waiting and leaning and looking for this son. And it wasn't based on the fact that his son had cleaned up his act and then got to him. It was the fact that the father loved him so much that he wanted him regardless of how he came back to him. He wanted him regardless of how he had squandered or how he had uh, dishonored him in the past. And you know, I think some of, some of the times we, we know we're won by God's love. We're like, I got saved. God loves me. Then we start messing up. And then we start, you know, not hitting the mark or doing stuff that we're like, God is disappointed in me. He's angry with me. And we think what happened by love is going to, his anger is going to keep that. And we have to go back to this fact of what, what he won you in love is how he will keep you. That he is waiting. That his, oh, I have a gift that, or it's like a, montage of photos that I'm going to show. Uh, And, you know, I feel like this is such a beautiful representation of Leon running to Stephen that that should be our heart position coming to the Father. Like, we should be like such joy, pure joy of going, I know he's going to embrace me. I know he loves me. He's going to keep me safe. He's going to, you know, and you know Stephen, if you've ever, he'll grab your face and say, dear one. And he'll, and he'll just, but that's, I really feel like in our house, he is a representation of the father's love. So if you have had not a great natural father and you just need a dose of like, hey, here's what the a tangible, go to Stephen and just let him get his hands on your face and dear one, thank you for, I mean, he's just, it's just beautiful, but it's just to me, I'm going, God, that's how you see me. That's how you want me to run to you with full expectation, not with fear, not wondering, are you going to turn away from me? Not wondering, is there a, a, you know, Leon knows there is not a frown on his face. He knows that Stephen is not angry at him. He knows I am safe with this. And that is how the father wants to wait expectantly to receive us. 
The, the second one is the compassionate father. This one just really stood out to me because that word compassion means sympathy and concern for the suffering of others with a desire to alleviate such suffering. To me, I read that story and I was like, that son brought that suffering on himself. And here's this father having compassion saying, son, I see you in pain. I see that you were hungry. I see that you were distraught. I want to alleviate that pain. I want to come with compassion. And I'm wondering if when you mess up, are you having the father, is, is what the father you see saying, I want to alleviate, it was your fault. I get it. I want to take that pain from you. I want to alleviate that burden and that stress from you. The third is, and I love that, that uh, Todd really kind of went after this, is the running father. You know, in the Jewish culture, it was shameful for an honorable man to run. It was shameful for them to show their legs. It's a different culture. You guys can show your legs. It's okay. Um, but in this culture, it was shameful. And so what would happen is if a son of Israel went and lost their inheritance in a Gentile land, which is exactly what this son did, when they came back, there was a ceremony called, it was it's a funny name. Let me find it. It's a kazaza. Kazaza. Um, and what would happen is the, the community would come out, they would see this son, and they would come out and they would take a large pot and they would break it in front of him and they would say, you are now cut off from your people. You are now cut off from your people. You are totally rejected. And so when we see this, this isn't just the father going, oh, my son, I see him. What the father is saying, I am willing to hike up my garment and shame myself so that you will not be shamed in front of these people. I am going to run to you so that I will take that shame so that you don't have to walk in it anymore. So that you do not get rejected. You don't get cut off. You are not an orphan. You are a son. And it leads into the restoring father. And it's only as the Father restores our identities, that, you know, it's, it's only there in this place of, you know, the Father, he does two things. He, one, he first, he puts a robe on him. And a lot of times when we're reading it in our, you know, American culture, we think, oh, cool, he put a robe on him. But what that signifies is that in the Old Testament, a robe signifies a person's status or position, Royalty could be recognized by people's robes. So by placing a robe on his son, he was restoring his identity as a son. And you know what I love about this is he did not wait for his son to come and repent. He didn't wait. Now his son did. His son said, I have sinned against heaven and you. But the father already had this posture of, oh, I want to restore you. I want to place my robe so that when anybody sees you, they know you are a son. You are a son in my house. And then secondly, he places a ring on his, on his son's finger. A king could give his signet ring to an official or servant. And by doing this, that person's words would now have the weight of the king's authority behind them. A ring symbolizes authority. You know, our significance is found in our identity as sons, that robe being placed on us. And it's from that lineage flows our authority. If we don't see ourselves as God sees us, we cannot agree to the assignment, his assignment for our lives. So if we don't see ourselves, I'll say it again, Mary Pat. If we don't see ourselves as God sees us, we cannot agree to his assignment for our lives. 
You know, our, our, worth, our sense of worth is found in the presence of our father. And you know what I, I really love about this story is this son that comes, you know, he's left his father. He's gone and he comes. He could have said, no, 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 father, I don't deserve your robe. I don't deserve your ring. I'm going to stay as a slave in your house. And the father would, would have had to agree with that and said, okay, I can't force you. But what I love is even in the midst of his dysfunction, even in the midst, he allows the father to say, no, 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 you're my son. I give you my authority. You don't have to clean it all up first. But what we see here, and a lot of times you hear this story say the, other, the older brother, but he's a son. He's a son, this third character in this, and we see him out working in the fields. And when he sees the extravagance of his father being poured out on his wayward brother, he gets angry. This son didn't know what he had access to. He didn't know the authority and the wealth that he possessed as a son. You know, how many of us are unaware of the authority, the power and identity we have as children of God? Because of this unawareness, we lack possession of these promises because we simply don't know who we are. We have to say yes to the identity that God is placing on us. We can't just say, well, yeah, God's a father and he's, I'm his son. We actually, it's, it's going to be fun. We're going to go through a list here now. Uh, but some of you are going to recognize on this list, I'm going to say, I'm going to read out different characteristics of a son and then an orphan spirit. Some of you are going to be really shocked of, I thought I was living as a son in the house, but in fact, I've been masquerading. I live, I'm living as an orphan in the house. And you know what? God wants to shift that. He wants to adjust it. He wants you to be a full-fledged son in the house, daughter in the house, knowing who you are, because it's only as you know who you are. God could speak over you all day long. You're chosen. You're loved. You're beautiful. And you're choosing to hear other people's voices, that person who said, ah, oh, you're, you're odd, or that person who said, you're not that qualified. A lot of times we're living in orphan spirit because we're listening to voices outside of the voice of the Father. But it's only the voice of the Father that's going to be able to speak that identity over us. So some of you are going to have to shift some of those things and flesh some of those words and do a little bit of that hard work this morning to get to the next hitching post. I just love that it's a horse analogy. I love horses. So, I just use it as much as I can. <laughs> okay, so... Allow, as I'm reading this list, be, be vulnerable. I love what Todd said is sometimes your breakthrough is one vulnerable prayer, one honest prayer away from, from that point of change, that point of transformation. As we go through this list, allow God to really speak to you. Don't try to perform your way through this list and go, yep, check, 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 check. I got all the sun things. I'm so good. I know people do that because I used to do that. And then I got honest with myself, and, I, and, I, and there's still times I read through this and go, crap, I'm, I'm orphaning out in these areas. Like, I'm, you know, so there's going to be some of you, because we don't want to build this on a faulty foundation. I do not want to look out at you guys on your Sunday best going, man, they got it all together, and then your life be a mess, and you be in pain, and you be, you know, that's not the God we serve. The God we serve says, I want the real authentic version of who you are and I want to heal it and I want to restore it and I want to speak life to it and bring hope to it. Amen? Amen. All right, so the first thing we're going to look at is the image of God. An orphan sees God as master. 
A son sees God as a loving father. You know, his love is so ridiculously good and perfect that a lot of times we want to figure out how we can earn it because we don't feel like we're good enough to just have him lavish it upon us. And he's just that good. He is. Remember we said, he's so good, we need to change the way we think about him. He's better than we think, so we need to change the way we think. The second one is our dependency. Orphans are independent and self-reliant. Sons are interdependent and acknowledge need. Are you isolated or are you connected to people? When you have a hard time, do you run away and isolate yourself? Do you hide? Or do you come and acknowledge your need for people? Do you share vulnerably with people? I would put it before you that if you isolate yourself, that if you disconnect in the hard times, you're operating from an orphan spirit. Theology. Orphans live by the love of law. Sons live by the law of love. You know, orphans want to measure what's fair or how they've won or lost. Orphans want to measure everything up to, here's the standard and tick, 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 I'm going to get that standard. Or they watch other people and go, they're missing it, they're missing it, they're missing it. It's the spirit of, it's an orphan spirit. It's not a son spirit. Security. Orphans are insecure or lack peace. Sons have rest and peace. You know, Father God's love eliminates insecurity and brings amazing confidence to his sons. Security that rests on accomplishments alone can be stolen at any moment. Security must be deeply rooted in our relationship with God as our father. So if you're measuring yourself and your security by your bank account, by uh, how many likes you get on certain posts on Instagram, if, you're, if that's where your security comes from, this, from this perfect job or from this man that you're going to get together with, or it's a faulty foundation. Next one is need for, need for approval. Orphans st- strive for praise, approval, and acceptance of man. Sons are totally accepted in God's love and justified by his grace. You know, I had this, uh, this moment a couple of probably five or six years ago. I was traveling with Chris Vallotton, and he's one of the pastors at Bethel. And we were in Latvia um, ministering to the Latvian parliament and doing these conferences for all these, you know, pe- people of, of clout or whatever. Um, and we were at our, one of our first meetings. Maybe it was the second meeting that we had had together. And Chris calls me over and he says, what are you sensing in the room? And I told him, and then he goes, okay, I want you to get up on stage, and I want you to share that, and I want you to minister to that. And I immediately was like, okay, okay, I can do this. I can, I can perform for this. I can, like, Chris Valentin's supposed to be sharing this sort of stuff, not me. Who am I to be doing this? And I felt the Holy Spirit in that moment say, hey, you can get up there, and you can be a preacher, or you can be a daughter. You can perform, or you can be a daughter. Because as a daughter, you can't fail. As a daughter, I'm already proud of you. As a daughter, I want to speak through you. I want to speak to these people because I love them so much. But you get the choice. You can perform for the acceptance and the applause and the the praise of men. That can be your motivating factor in this. Or you can minister from a place of you're already accepted. You know... That's why I can say that I'm his favorite, 100%, because I'm, because I'm his daughter. He's, he's, going, he's not saying, oh, Chris, Chris is my favorite, because he's, had, you know, he's this powerful man of God. He's saying, you're my favorite. 
How many of you could, with honesty, go, God thinks I'm his favorite? 100%. (laughs) She she raised her hand. I can. Yes. Good. I love it. All right. Motive for service. Orphans have a need for personal achievement, seeking to impress God and others. Sons have a deep gratitude for being loved and accepted by God. You know, when we're established in our identity as sons, submission and service become a natural outflow. Our significance no longer comes from our accomplishments, but from our value as sons and daughters. The most powerful title granted to Jesus was Son of God. Son of God. And from that security, that identity, he became a servant of Father God. You know, Jesus is the greatest servant who has ever lived because he had the greatest revelation that he was the son whom the father loved dearly. All right, next one. Motive behind Christian disciplines. Orphans, their motive is duty or earning God's favor or they have no motivation at all. A son is pleasure and delight. So look at when you're, when you're reading your Bible, when you're praying, when you're doing these Christian disciplines, are you doing it because, one, you feel like, I need to please God. I need him to be, you know, happy with me, so I'm going to read my Bible today. Or is it because you're like, I just love spending time with him. I love spending time in the presence of my father. Motive for purity. Orphans must be holy to have God's favor, thus increasing shame and guilt. Sons want to be holy. They don't want to do anything to hinder relationship. So they want to be holy because they want connection with the father. They're not doing it because they think that he has, you know, this you know, ruler up at the, you no know, teachers don't hit kids with rulers anymore, but, <laughs> you know, this ruler that he needs to smack you with, unless you're holy. That's not the, and as I'm reading this list, I want, I want you to be really aware. These are not behavioral adjustments. These are heart shifts. So you don't read this list and start going, okay, oh my gosh, I need to act more like a son. That's very orphany. Uh, <laughs> you, you go, God, if I'm off on these, change me. Holy Spirit, you are the one that reveals me as a son. You are the one that allows me to say, ah, but Father, I'm close, I'm here. So don't be reading this list going, okay, I need to, I need to figure out how I'm going to do this list. Um, next one, self-image. Orphans have self-rejection from comparing yourself to others. Sons, positive and affirmed because you know your value to God. You know, how many of you walk into a room where you're going, I feel really good about myself. And then somebody else is up there and all of a sudden you start going, oh my gosh, I'm not as good as them. I can't, I, I can't sing the way that Brian sings. I must suck at singing. I'm not going to lead worship anymore. You know, like it's, it's real tricky. These are little things that we all deal with. Next one is source of comfort. Orphans, counterfeit affections, addictions, compulsions, escapism, busyness. Sons seek times of quietness and solitude to rest in the father's love. You know, you're going to comfort yourself somehow. You're going to hide from your pain. Sometimes orphans look really good on the outside because they know how to perform to look good, and on the inside, they are dying. And there's just so much mess on the inside. And that's, again, that's why we want to do this hard work in church so that we can walk out of here and go, I am whole and healed, and now I can bring reformation to the world. Next one, peer relationships, orphans. They function at a competition, rivalry, and jealousy toward others' success and position. Sons have humility and unity. They value others. They rejoice in their blessings and successes. You know, jealous Christians just don't know who they are. You'd never be jealous of someone else if you knew who you were. 
You'd never want someone else's gift if you knew why you were alive. And that only comes from the Father. Only comes from the Father. Next one is handling others' faults. Orphans. Accusation and exposure so that so you look good as they look bad. Sons, love and cover as you seek to restore others in the spirit of love. Next one, view of authority. Orphans, source of pain, distrustful and lack heart of submission. Sons are respectful, honoring, and view authority as ministers of God for good. You know, if you have a faulty relationship with Father, you're never going to have good relationship with authority. So as you come more and more in alignment with your sonship, all of a sudden you're secure. You're safe. You trust God and the authority that he places in your life. You can start to trust. You can start to open up to. You can respect them. The next one, view of admonition or correction. Orphans, it's difficulty receiving correction. You feel like you need to prove or, uh, you know, we talk a lot about here, we have a, a culture of feedback. And we know people who are dealing with a little bit of that orphan spirit that when you give them feedback, they push back right away or they try to defend themselves right away. Because really, when we look at this, sons view correction as a blessing and a need in life. You know, if you can receive correction, you're going to grow. You're going to grow. If you can't receive Correction, you're going to stay immature. You're going to stay small. So we need to be people who say, hey, we're secure in our identity. And when you give me feedback, I know you're not personally attacking my identity. I know you're helping to shift and tweak so that I can be all that God created me to be. Expression of love. Orphans are guarded and conditional. They want their own needs met. Sons are open, patient, and affectionate. They lay down their agenda for others. You know, as if you're married in this room, you know this one is a, you, you get the opportunity to uh, exercise this daily. This is the one, honestly, where I probably orphan out the most, is in a relationship, if, if you have failed me, I can tend to retract love. Instead of going, hey, 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 I, you're, I, can, I can freely give you love because I have so received it from my father. So now as the person in front of me, I can just give it to you. I don't need to hold it. I don't need to hoard my love. I don't need you to perform or make sure that you're good enough. So then I will give you love. You know, when we don't understand sonship, the beauty of being loved, cherished and adored by father God, if we don't understand that we will live in fear and that binds our hearts so that we are no longer able to receive or give love. Sense of God's presence. We're getting to the end of the list, don't worry. Orphans are conditional and distant. Sons are close and intimate. So the orphan spirit says, oh, I had such a great, they played all my favorite songs. I felt God. I felt his presence. A son can go, hey, I showed up. And so he was there. His presence was there. They could have sang Old McDonald's and I felt his presence. I experienced his presence. The next one, condition. Orphans are in bondage. Sons have liberty, freedom. They feel free to be themselves. They're not bound. The next one, position. Orphans feel like a servant or a slave. I have to work for God's love and affection. Sons feel like a son or daughter. You know, sons are blessed by their father simply because they are sons. The father refuses to have employees run his kingdom. His kingdom belongs to his sons. 
So if you're trying to do kingdom work and you're working for God, he's your slave master. He's not going to work through you. He may, he may do some things on your, you may do some things on your gifting, but if you really want God to work through you powerfully, you have to get into this alignment as a son or a daughter. Next one is vision. Orphans have spiritual ambition, striving for distinction, desire to be counted among the mature. Sons have daily experience with the father's unconditional love and acceptance. You know, orphans, you, you, you'll, it's funny, you're going to start to like go, oh, that was an orphan thing. Oh, that was, they name drop. They want to make themselves feel very, uh, I'm important in this room because they feel an inner deficit. They don't have that, I am important. So I don't have to parade my importance. I know I'm important. I'm loved. I'm a daughter. Future. Orphans fight for what you can get. Sons, sonship releases your inheritance. You know, striving for Christians only exists from the absence of realizing the Father's love. Fear, anxiety, grasping can only exist when there's an absence of the experience of the Father's love. So this morning, I really believe that God is wanting to build up a company of mature mothers and fathers, mature men and women. But it takes being a healthy son to be a healthy father. It takes being a healthy daughter to be a healthy mother. Some of you have been trying to, over, to, to step out of where you are at internally and have more authority or have more, uh, I don't know what I'm, what I'm trying to say, but you're, you know, I really feel like God is wanting to say today, hey, let's get the internal world, let's get the foundation solid. Let's get it right. If there's cracks in there, if there's crevices in there, let's fill them up. If you've walked into this, this place and you, you know, I read through that list and and you were like, yeah, I've been operating pretty much 80% out of an orphan spirit. I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to make that shift today in you so that you can walk out of here as whole sons and daughters. So that, yes, so that you can impact your world, but so that you can just really enjoy God in your life. He doesn't want you feeling like you have to perform for love. He doesn't want you feeling so insecure because you don't trust that He'll provide for you. He doesn't want you competing with the person next to you. He doesn't want you walking into rooms and seeing somebody else's success and going, you know, that's my slice of the pie. He wants you free. He wants you secure. And so in this moment, we're gonna, we're gonna ask the Holy Spirit some questions. And if you've never asked God just pointed questions, I, I believe that you're gonna hear from Him because the Bible says that His sheep know His voice and He wants to speak to you. And so we're just going to, if you, if you feel comfortable, close your eyes. And we, in this moment, because again, it's not because we're going to work for it or strive for it that all of a sudden we're going to come into this just depth of sonship. It's only going to be by the Holy Spirit ministering to you. And there may have been one thing on that list that you went, man, I need a tweak. I need an adjustment in that. Or it could have been the whole list and you need to go, God, I need to step out of this spirit of orphan and I need to step into the spirit of sonship. But the first question that we're gonna ask is Holy Spirit, who do you say I am? 
Now he's, he's probably not gonna speak to you in an audible voice. He may show you a picture, he may give you a feeling, he may give you one word. Lean into that, that's God speaking to you. Allow him because it's only as you encounter his face that your identity will become secure. Father, who do you say I am? And the second question we're going to ask is, Holy Spirit, are there any lies or is there a lie I'm believing about who I am? Some of you are going to get memories of when somebody, a teacher, a person in authority spoke something over you that wasn't from the heart of the Father. Some of you are going to hear parents saying things over you that didn't come from the Father. Those are lies. And you know, when he reveals, it's only to heal. So if he's revealing something to you, of somewhere where a crack got into your, the foundation of your identity, it's because he wants to heal it. We're going to ask a third question. God, what's the truth to replace that lie?